and welcome to episode 43 of Roll, Play, Grow, the podcast for tabletop entrepreneurs, creators, and fans. I'm Courtney Stover of Lighthearted Adventures, and in this podcast, we talk to the creators behind the brands in the tabletop roleplay gaming space about who they are and how they are turning their passion for gaming into a career. Today, we get the pleasure of hearing from the dungeon master of a still new yet increasingly popular D&D actual play podcast, Reckless Attack. Nathan Lurz joins me today to chat about this podcast, which was years in the making, and then we pivot to chatting about social media marketing. This episode is longer than usual, but to be honest, that's partly because Nathan and I are friends in real life, and this is just what happens when you're friends, but also because he's full of some amazing advice that I did not want to cut short. And on a fun note, if you head over to my new Roleplay Grow Patreon, you'll be able to see a behind-the-scenes photo of the last time there is photographic evidence of Nathan and I hanging out together. It's a really great photo, y'all. I'm not even exaggerating. (laughs) It was from my graduation party from college that he attended. And while Nathan and I definitely had a conversation about when was the last time we actually saw each other in person, this is the last time we had photographic evidence of it. So get ready to see baby Courtney and Nathan at the age of, what, 22? So what do I mean by my new Roleplay Grow Patreon? In case you missed the last episode, I've got a couple of business updates for you. The first is to announce that after some feedback about our Lightheart Adventures Patreon being a bit confusing, I decided to split Roleplay Grow off into its own separate Patreon, and I just launched it this week. This will allow posts to be more streamlined and less confusing. So if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash roleplaygrow, and you'll find a tier as low as $3 a month. Perks include having early access to the guest list, being able to add your questions to upcoming interviews behind-the-scenes content, and shout-outs on my website and the show. I would love if you'd go check it out and help me work towards some of my goals, like trying to hire an editor. Because, y'all, editing takes a long time. I'd also like to take a bit of time to chat about a new affiliate. Now, the ones that y'all are used to hearing about are definitely more TTRPG-focused, But this one is for my fellow entrepreneurs who are looking to upgrade your email marketing. I started using Flowdesk to make gorgeous emails that are completely automated a couple years back, and I cannot speak highly enough of them. You can see an example of this by going to lightheartadventures.com. If you have pop-ups enabled, within a few seconds, you'll see a sign-up show up for a free dandy one-shot. Or if you have pop-ups blocked, there's a couple other ways throughout the website where you can sign up for it. That sign up is powered by Flowdesk and then it emails you a free one shot and adds you to an automated email workflow that I set up a while back. If I'm being honest, I really need to go in and update that workflow to be more relevant content. But frankly, that's super easy to do. It's very user friendly to make new gorgeous emails and it's really simple to schedule individual emails or create a workflow that messages your contacts week after week. If you use my affiliate link, you'll get 50% off your first year then the first month is free. Go to lightheartadventures.com slash our-favorite-trinkets to learn more about Flowdesk and all our other favorite things. Okay, that's all for now. So let's go chat with Nathan. I am so happy to now introduce y'all to a personal friend of mine, 
Nathan Lurz, the DM for the very funny frog-loaded 5e actual play podcast, Reckless Attack. Hi, Courtney. Hi. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) This is very exciting. We've already been chatting for a lot pre-show, but also like it's now being recorded and there's somehow even more enthusiasm now. (laughs) I mean, I'm just excited because, to be honest, I have not recorded an interview in a really long time. And secondly, is the fact that we have been friends for a long time now. A very long time now. And like we never knew that we had the same type of nerd in common when we were actually no. living in the same city. And I'm no. mad about it. Yeah, no, or at least not this particular same kind of nerd. Like we knew we had a lot of nerd overlaps, but and and you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but but in this specific one, our 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 nerd D D or tabletop role playing game like progression through life was not lined up in the same way. So we we were two ships passing each other in the night. <laughs> I know. And then you reached out to me on Twitter once and you're like, hey, I'm starting a podcast. And I'm like, what? Yeah, right. Yeah. No. And, and I felt the same way of like when you announced that you had a podcast also was like, wait, what? Ugh, amazing. Yeah. I've been listening to some of your interviews. I, I will admit I am not caught up. I'm sorry. I'm trying. But there's never I, I never accept anyone's apologies for being behind in content because that is the curse of of the internet age, especially if you're a content creator, there's a lot of cool stuff out there and there's a lot of cool stuff out there being made by like actual humans that you care about as people. And it's just a lot and it's too much. And just the fact that we can still be like friends and supportive and whatever, even if we aren't caught up on the latest episodes, I think we can all just like live a little happier. Just, (laughs) just accepting that, you know? True. But yeah, you keep mentioning Dice Dojo and <laughs> yeah, it's been really it's been really funny uh, for those who don't know. I guess we we maybe I'll talk about it in the intro, but Courtney and I knew each other in college, yada, yada, yada. We both were in Chicago and there was a uh, friendly local gaming store called the Dice Dojo that was really close to where our college was, relatively close at least. And it is very integral to the formation of Reckless Attack as a podcast. Uh, we go into it a lot in our in our various interview episodes and behind the scenes episodes. And it's been really funny hearing from people like you who also were in Chicago who were like, wait a second, I know the Dice Dojo. That's a real place. I also played games there or whatever, or learned, you know, learned the game or bought dice or bought whatever nonsense there. So it's been really funny to hear the number of people who have connected to the Dice Dojo as a location that was also somehow meaningful or formative for them in their gaming careers. Yeah, I mean, it really was formative because that was the first... I guess, big board game store that mm-hmm. I never really been to because before that point, Thanks. I was like, yeah, Monopoly. Sorry. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I had no clue. And again, we can we can talk about it more mm-hmm. specifically. But yeah, it was absolutely my my actual introduction to playing to actually playing D&D and all the broader scope of games contained therein. Yeah. Well, let's get into that. So tell me, when did you get into tabletop RPGs? Yeah. Yeah. How has this journey started for you? (laughs) Um, It is it's murky at the start and not in a like dark, dour way, just in a like my memory is bad and a lot of things happened all at once. Um, So I don't uh, it's it's really interesting that I've thought about this a lot and I do not know how I first kind of heard about like tabletop role playing games and D&D specifically. It was just kind of one of those things that I would I feel like I was just aware of in the culture 
and had always been, you know, a, a nerdy individual and always been someone who liked creating stories and being creative and playing with friends and all that good stuff. And I just had never, never been introduced to it really. So my first real, I feel like exposure to it was a couple things at once. Kind of first and foremost, uh, podcasts. I I loved loved D and D podcasts uh, in like college and just after graduating college, and I still do, obviously. But I, that was just like what I consumed was D and D podcasts. Acquisitions Incorporated was the big one for me. That's the one with the Penny Arcade crew who was being DM'd by Chris Perkins. That was kind of the first one that I really remember. And the other big one was Critical Hit, which is a 4E podcast that I think is is still going on weekly somehow after like 12 years. But I consumed, I craved this content. It was, I joked about it. It was like my, I was the, I was the middle-aged stay-at-home mom who, who craved my stories. And those were the podcasts, you know, it was not soap operas. (laughs) It was, it was D and D podcasts for me. And I just mainlined it constantly and loved the friendship, loved the, the dynamic stories, all of it, loved the D and D vibe, but I, I had no one to play with. And then in college, I was a journalism minor. Basically, I, I actually graduated one credit short of of having a journalism minor. But like, I feel like I can round up, and I worked as a journalist for a while, so it's fine. But one of the classes that I had gave me the assignment of going out into a quote unquote subculture, and you know, so it could be a music scene, could be a you know a, a whatever whatever that means to to whoever was doing the assignment. And I chose the Dice Dojo and I chose uh, a to to really get a look into what playing D&D was. And so I went, I just, you know, totally unannounced, just kind of showed up and talked to the, you know, talked to the people who own the store, talked to the fellow gamers. I just sat and watched people play and was immediately like, oh, okay, this is actually very good and interesting. And then the next week I came back and I played, I actually got to play and that was so cool. And immediately I was like, oh, cool. So I, my, my Goliath barbarian jumps off a stalagmite and parkours up here to attack this thing and does all this crazy stuff. So it was like, I, I got it like immediately. And, um, and, and I actually met a person who became a member of the Reckless Attack podcast there. And... Other members of the Reckless Attack podcast also met that person that I met also at the Dice Dojo. So like truly, it was like core to our experience. But as soon as I kind of had those two influences and then got even just a tiny bit of interest from my roommates and my girlfriend, now wife and her brother, it was like off to the races. Yep, this is what I want to do. This is my my new hobby now. This is what I crave all the time. And if I'm not playing it, then I'm looking for another opportunity to play it. So talk to me about the transition from starting to play to, you know what, I want to make an actual play podcast myself. Uh, Yeah, yeah. It's always that's always such an interesting question for so many people. And one that I I, I love just like casually asking people to because it is weird, right? But for me, for us, I had always felt like I wanted to create something. I don't know if that's, I assume that's a fairly common experience, especially with us creative gifted kid types. 
uh, where it's like, ah, yes, clearly I will be writing the next great American novel or whatever. Obviously, with uh, time and therapy, I have you know managed those expectations and standards for myself. But I had always thought that that could be a cool, fulfilling thing. And podcasts were always you know very much on kind of the radar of that. But I knew very early that if I was going to do it, I wasn't going to do a bad podcast. <laughs> you know, um, I wasn't going to settle for something that was just kind of you know, half-assed or had was poorly produced or whatever, or wasn't to my taste. And so it really always kind of just took a back burner. And then I started playing with the group who became the Reckless Attack crew. And we had, it was just awesome. It was so good. The whole, our whole kind of home campaign was so impactful, so meaningful, so educational for me. And towards the end, I had heard that that other DMs would just throw their phone kind of in the middle of the table to record the session, and then they would go back and listen to it, and that would be a learning tool for them. And I, I thought that made a lot of sense. You know, I, I was looking to make myself a better DM, and that seemed like a personal, a, a perfectly reasonable way to go about doing it. And so I did, and then I would go back and listen to it, and. I, I I liked it. It was it was good. <laughs> like the stuff we were putting out was was I liked it. And and if I, I I knew that if my enjoyment of it surpassed my natural anxiety and natural self criticism, then that must mean that it's at least worth pursuing. <laughs> and so I kind of floated the topic with some of the other people, and they were very interested. And had always also kind of been interested in doing a podcast for 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 anything D and D or otherwise, and then just kind of momentum started building. Um, a COVID hit, so that threw things off a little bit. But you know, here we are today with you know a whole whole podcast out into the world. You know, I love that so much, and it's interesting. Like, I don't know that I've actually heard that answer yet on how it started. I feel there's so many people that would record their session just to have it for reference would always be like, oh my gosh, this is interesting. Like, okay, I guess we were having fun, but I don't know that I would ever want anyone else to listen to this. Totally. The fact that you're able to just listen to it and you're like, no, this is good. Yeah. It was genuinely surreal. Like it was that I am, I, even now, like, and I, I feel very, very proud of Reckless Attack. I feel very proud of my work in it and everyone's work in it. But I, I don't like listening to it often. Like I, <laughs> I don't like the sound of my own voice. I, I am definitely a person whose brain, while appreciating the good parts, will 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 err on nitpicking my own choices and my own, you know, ooh, didn't nail that NPC voice the second go around, and you know those sorts of things. And then to experience something where I could just listen to it and be like, wait a second. My brain isn't melting down at the at being confronted by this. So what does that mean? Oh God, it was almost like an existential experience. Um, but but yeah, immediately was like, oh, hold on, this is a this is a real thing that we could do, and and that we you know kind of capital W we that this group could do together if we wanted to and if we had the buy in and kind of had the um the the courage and the fortitude and the friendship to to do it that we could. I love it. And you guys definitely have a really great dynamic. Uh, but I want to make sure before we get too far into the logistics that for any of the listeners who have not listened to Reckless Attack yet, first off, after this episode, please go fix that. Go download the first <laughs> episode. It's amazing. 
But can you give us a high level kind of look at what Reckless Attack is, what you guys are doing? And I mean, the question that I know everybody hates, but what makes it unique? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, that's it's that's the question, right? That's always what it boils down to. So Reckless Attack is a 5e podcast. We play Dungeons and Dragons release every Tuesday. And our goal is not to be, oh, hey, we are another podcast that, um, you know, that is just, oh, we're friends sitting around a table. But our goal has always is always to make it feel like the listener is another person at the table with us. Um, we have high quality audio that we make a really big priority, tight editing, but lots of just fun dynamics between the players, players who take the game really seriously, who take our friendships really seriously. Uh, we do a lot of collaborative world building. We have a deep lore and deep world. We have a lot of mysteries. We have you know high heroism. We have villains. We have rivals. All the big emotions that that we love, at least in our D&D games and in our D&D podcasts are all in there. And also we have like a lot of frogs and and we have a lot of, of cute baby animals and also horrible monsters all at the same time. So really you get a nice wide span of experiences, even in our first couple dozen episodes of Reckless Attack. And really the boil down is friendship and frenemies and frogs. And that's really just like kind of our whole deal. There are so many frogs and I love it so much. And it's it's really funny where it became a little bit of a joke early and it really became, you know, it was something that people glommed onto and became something that other people who listened to our podcast and supported us would bring up in conversation to other people. And then so <laughs> so people go into our podcast being like, okay, frogs, <laughs> I get it. I'm sure that, you know, wh- what do they mean when they say a lot of frogs? And then people get to like episode three and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, it actually, it actually is a lot of frogs. Um, but we think we do it in a way that is not, you know, we try hard not to be a lol random kind of podcast, but like through the natural occurrences of gameplay, many frogs did make an appearance. So, you know, we, we, we believe we deliver on our promise of frogs is the point. Agreed. So walk me through the logistics, I guess, how you got this group fully together to commit to doing this show. And then I know that COVID hit, but just what was the timeline? What were the steps that you took to be able to get that first episode to release? Yeah, it was a, it was a lot, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest. And, and again, because I think I certainly came in with the opinion that if we were going to do it, we're, we we wanted to do it right. You know, we wanted to have our, our first episode be something that we were happy with, proud of, that we thought stood up to, you know, a casual person just hitting play and then being surprised at like, well, wait, this is this is very polished. This, you know, everyone's on the same page and it's tight and it's fun and there's personality and it all flows well. And that was kind of the standard that I wanted to make sure we had. And immediately and independently, everyone else was on the same page. Like <laughs> that was whatever that was the mindset everyone had and everyone wanted. So it was like a real, real blessing and real barrier removed that everyone wanted to work really, really hard to make it great. Um, and so that was kind of an, the easy, you know, once we had that bridging conversation of like, Hey, so like, do you want to do a podcast maybe? And everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I think we should do a podcast for sure. Then yeah, all those wheels kind of started turning. I am, I am a naturally indecisive and people pleasing per person, but also 
and, and, and that works both ways, um, good and bad. So very quickly, I talked to the group. We decided we wanted to do something set in a new world just because, you know, we had created our own world for our home campaign, but we didn't want there to be like inside jokes or inside knowledge that people who weren't at our table wouldn't understand. And kind of from there, I would ask everyone, okay, cool. You know, I, we would do the the kind of lines and veils. We would do the session zero stuff just to kind of start asking, okay, what story are you guys interested in? What's the vibe? Especially if we're going to be hypothetically playing this for a long time, let's make sure we all agree on what that is and that I'm delivering the tone that you guys want. And from there, I came up with, and I should I should try to find this document. It's somewhere on Google Drive. But I came up with, I want to say like eight campaign pitches, maybe, or something like that, where it was just a couple paragraphs. It was a little couple bullet points of tone. And here's how much combat I think it'll be and that kind of stuff. It's very inspired by the Matthew Colville campaign pitch document for anyone who's familiar with him on YouTube. But I came up with that. And then we had another meeting where we picked all of those things apart and kind of crammed together what we liked. And then I came up with a whole big pitch and it was essentially going to be fantasy Star Trek, where we would all be going across the world through these new strange portals. And they were kind of a an inspirational team of heroes who were hand selected to go and be ambassadors and be problem solvers and meet new people and, you know, explore the world, basically. And we were all super jazzed about that. And then COVID hit. And so we couldn't record because we wanted to at least have our first few episodes be in person just so we could kind of capture the dynamic of friends around the table, right? And as COVID kind of simmered and I simmered further, I, I was trying to do what little more polishing that I could on the campaign. And I was listening to a lot of people. I think I even listened a little bit to like Asians Represent podcast a little bit was really big for me and a few other ones. And I really kind of came to the conclusion that that first campaign was maybe bad and or at least maybe bad for Dungeons and Dragons, because a lot of the best Star Trek episodes, for example, are not solved through combat. And if they are, then it's a bad thing. But like D&D is a combat game and you should be killing monsters in D&D. And if you're not killing monsters, then like maybe you shouldn't be playing D&D or at least like there's a lot of better systems for for capturing that. And also if we're jumping around, meeting all these civilizations, am I going to be respectfully creating new, you know, new cultures and new cities and new histories as we go? Will I or will I be copy pasting the same thing over and over? And neither of those seemed good either. So we had to start all over again and scrap the whole thing over COVID. I, I approached the 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 group with it, and they were immediately on board. They totally got it and agreed with me, which was a huge burden off of me. And Eventually, we got back to world building and towards rip, you know, we ripped everything apart and we started building again. We played a game of microscope after after a while. I don't know if are you familiar with microscope, Courtney? I am not. Uh, it's a really cool game. It's it might be a little outdated now. I'm sure that there's some other other games that might be newer and maybe more updated. But it is a world building game, essentially, where you as a group basically build a timeline, a history together. And what is so cool about it is that you can't override the decisions of anyone in or anyone you're playing with. You can only kind of yes and. So all of the bits and bobbles are totally 
totally individual, where it is one person coming up with one idea that is now canon. And that is a little little chaotic and can make a little bit of a messy timeline sometimes, but also really lends itself to a really rich world that has all kinds of messy storylines, which is what the world is, right? Where the world is not just kind of one cohesive happening. And we played that for a couple days or a couple sessions, and that just filled me with so much inspiration. And then I ran off. I, you know, hammered out some more ideas. We talked more about another campaign uh, pitch doc, and then we kind of had what we wanted. And then David and Jonathan, our two wonderful, powerful, uh, I guess, producers and editors kind of went off and really honed in on what we wanted our sound to be. We tested out a bunch. We, we got some microphones and all that good stuff. And we kind of just decided, okay, we can't stop and think about it anymore. Let's just get recording. Let's get going. We had a couple of test episodes just to get everyone comfortable on mic that were probably won't be released to the light of day, but we're just like fun. Let's all play together and get used to the characters and that kind of stuff, which I highly, highly recommend to anyone starting out an actual play. And then we just picked October 5th. That was going to be our release date. And I started tweeting more and yada, yada podcast. (laughs) Yada, yada. Exactly. Okay. Well, you know that I have to get into the details on this show. So by all means, I'm interested in knowing you mentioned earlier that you wanted to at least the first couple of episodes in person. Are you still doing them all in person? For the most part? Yes. Um, And we we've We've kind of been able to strategically work around a lot of COVID surges. We're also all very highly vaccinated <laughs> against <laughs> COVID. And and we've also now kind of worked to, if and when we need to, to have a better remote setup. And we feel more confident in that. But we we wanted to make sure that our our selling point for us was going to be the kind of natural chemistry that we had. And, you know, just as a group of friends who, again, who really care about each other, who care about playing the game, who care about supporting each other and interacting with each other and bouncing things off of each other. And to do that remote, we we didn't feel super confident in our ability to do it. Many others can. And I think with video, we'd be now better at it. But at least for those first intro episodes, you get so such a small window of time for an actual play to catch someone's attention, right? Like if the audio is bad, if it's boring, if it's anything, that's all kind of one check mark to, to be like, eh, nope, there's a lot of other content out there. Move on, pass. And so we want to make sure that when we did record that we were going to give our best foot forward in those first few episodes. And I think we did, um, but it also meant that we had to delay, <laughs> delay starting our podcast until COVID was, was, you know, COVID, we, we had gotten our fully, we'd been fully vaccinated and, you know, everyone was saying like, yes, you can go say hi to people in person again for the most part and that kind of thing. So definitely, I think it made a difference for us in our first few episodes and has continued to make a difference, though I feel like we could, you know, we've already talked a lot about how we can not do that in the future, but, you know, it was really about knowing what our strength was and not being not being willing to compromise on getting something out earlier just for the sake of getting something out and making sure that what we had represented who we were and what our show could be and have that be the first exposure that people had to us. Yeah, I think there's definitely something really special about 
being able to play in person, even for just a home game, let alone for a podcast where you're trying to put on a performance and yeah. be entertaining yeah. while also being entertained. Yeah, exactly. And I I personally, we never finished our home, that first home game. We kind of got caught up and being like, oh, cool. We have this podcast idea. Let's work on that. Like, we love our game. We love these characters, but like we have this goal. So let's pause and let's work towards that. And then COVID happened. And so we weren't playing anything. And so we decided to finish our campaign and actually get to end it, which was one of the coolest freaking things I've ever done in my whole life. But even in that, I could tell that, you know, there was just those awkward, awkward pauses over over Discord and the, you know, oh, God, I forgot to unmute myself and all that kind of stuff. And while I think we now that we've, tr- you know, trained on mic discipline and trained on all these other things and have gotten into the swing of things and have kind of showed people, hey, this isn't how we usually sound and you get it. I think we could pull it off more. But yeah, it's it's difficult sometimes if you don't have that built in energy rapport or comfort, especially if you're not doing it with video to, to for me, at least to capture that same enthusiasm and connection that that we we knew that we had a lot of and wanted to highlight. Yeah, definitely. What is the setup like when you guys are all sitting around the table? It's very funny. COVID COVID happening was in many ways, for the podcast at least, gave us a lot of time to to really optimize what we wanted and, and that kind of stuff. So here's the piece of advice. Be sure to take your time to a little, you know, to a certain extent. If you're starting a new venture, make sure you have put yourself in a good position for success. We actually just have a room essentially in two of our players' house who are married, that is a pseudo, you know, kind of dining room situation that then converts to a recording room. And we all just sit around a table and we all have mics and a couple of, of little soundproofy panels up on the side. But otherwise, then it is really, other than just mics being in our faces, just kind of the same as any group who is sitting around a table and playing D&D together. Do you guys have the same kind of mics? Is it we just do, whatever yes. anybody has? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we all that was the that was the a big thing for us again. And we wanted to make sure that our podcast had everyone having the same audio quality, you know, everyone sounding clear, everyone sounding good. Cause I know that that can be a distraction for me. And we again we wanted to make sure to to make sure all of our all of our, our edges were rounded as possible for people to uh to get into us. Cool. How far ahead of episode release are you recording? Really, it depends a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, holiday, we we I think we launched with, I want to say five or six maybe in the bank. We released three at once um, just to give people, or one or two, was it three? Doesn't matter. We released a bunch at once. And then we, I think we had another three or four weeks, you know, locked and loaded, ready to go. We like to give at least three to four weeks to edit each episode because we do edit pretty tightly even though we're not you know we're not an audio drama and we're not editing out dice rolls or editing out you know too much stuff we want it still to still feel like people playing dungeons and dragons so usually we want to make sure we have like a couple weeks in advance in the bank but also the holidays and some other stuff cut into that so we're actually right now in the middle of a like week you know almost week by week <laughs> level <laughs> of like woof, we're just getting this in in time kind of thing. So it fluctuates wild, wildly. I know that we would love to be, you know, at least have a handful banked at any given time, but we also like playing D&D a lot. So I'm not too worried about us building back up now that things have settled back down a little. 
Honestly, I feel that so much. The six weeks before my surgery back in October, I was like, okay, I have to get as many things recorded as I possibly can. And it was really kind of nice because I was so used to just being so behind all of the time. Yeah. And having a backlog is amazing and definitely something I would recommend to anyone who wants to be a podcaster. Build like at least a month worth of backlog. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, we also and we talked about this a little bit and, and I don't know how I feel about it. I'm still kind of reconsidering it or, or mulling it over. But we also wanted to make sure that for the most part, it was still fresh, you know, like we didn't want to have like, oh, here's an episode from six months ago that we recorded of gameplay that we're airing just now. We wanted to keep it relatively relevant and fresh and whatever and, and responsive to what the audience was feeling and doing. And, and and that also naturally leads to maybe a little bit less of a backlog than we like, but also kind of keeps that freshness and energy and, and all that kind of stuff going. So it's a balance and there's no right answer for anyone. Um, and I'm not even sure if our answer is the right answer for us every time, but it is the answer that we have. So shrug, but have a backlog <laughs> is the point. Yes. Find the backlog that works for you. But still Exactly. Have exactly. Hey, entrepreneurs. I love introducing you to new creators every episode, but I could really use your support. I would love to invite you to join our Patreon page, where you'll gain access to behind-the-scenes content, add your questions to upcoming interviews, and you could even receive a shout-out on our site in an upcoming episode. To learn more, go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. And now, back to the show. Well, so I'm curious on if there's anything different about your process of being the DM for a game that's being produced on a podcast mm. versus mm-hmm. how you DM if it's just a home game. Yeah, I think I think there's a few things for sure. I think, well, first, we we really do try to pride ourselves and focus ourselves around the idea that for for the most part, this is the game we would be playing, you know, and, and we don't want to play to the crowd, so to speak. We don't want to tell jokes just to be like, ah, I know, I know the audience will understand that reference and, and that sort of thing. Or or manufacture dramatic moments just for the sake of it. Try to keep it authentic feeling and keep it centered and focused on us and what we like doing and what we think is is fun and cool. So I think that's that's kind of a first important place for us to start. But for me as DM, something I've really had to improve on and get better at is being is really keeping the lines of communication open with my players. Um, and I, I, I think I've always done a pretty decent job of that, but especially when there is that pressure of like people are watching us or, you know, listening to us, I guess in our, in our case are consuming our content. Then there are a lot of factors of pacing of, of whatever, and of me getting into my own head and having these grand ideas that are not necessarily clear to everyone, or maybe even don't even align to what people like, because that's, we know that happens sometimes when you're not talking and setting expectations and soliciting feedback and that kind of thing. So I think for, for me personally, that has been really, really important is saying like, okay, guys, you know, I'll just go out and say, here's kind of what I think this week is going to be like, you know, this recording session, we record two episodes at once. And I say like, well, I think maybe it's going to look like this and that. And I think the next couple episodes will kind of vaguely be like this. And that was horrific for early DM Nathan to, (laughs) to consider where like, I'm not in complete control of the narrative. And I guess more specifically, I'm not in control of the surprises, right? And the the twists and turns and all that kind of stuff. 
which which in some ways I miss, but in in way, way, way more ways, see how valuable that is and see how much comfort that brings and how much that allows the players to kind of settle in and focus on what they what they like, what they want to do, what their character wants to do and how they would react to those sort of things and just kind of hone in accordingly. Certainly, I also want to be mindful of like combat's not dragging on too long and being more descriptive with things without droning on and all that kind of thing. But I think that's that's really in terms of the back end of things, what's been really impactful for me in a good in a really, really helpful way that applies off off mic too. That makes a lot of sense. I it truly took some of the players just essentially saying like Hey, this would be helpful, you know. You know, it, it was not a. Uh, I want to make sure, make extra clear that it was not my idea to be doing this. Um, we had done some of it early, but I think I think maybe it was it was David who put it this way. Where essentially, when you're playing at home, you can after you you can you can pause for a minute and talk about what's going on, or you can, um, you know, in between sessions talk or in the the lead up to sessions or whatever. But when you're doing a podcast you're kind of ready to just like show up and record, right? And like, sure, there's chatting, there's banter, there's whatever, but you're there to play. And like, you're, you have a schedule, you know, you can't, you can't go on for too long because we have, we have deadlines and we have an episode to release. And if we don't get two episodes out of this recording, uh-oh, you know, we have to reshuffle some things. And so it's easy to kind of get caught up in that and just only be there from the time that you're recording and make sure that the recording time is usable audio, basically. But so much of D&D happens when you're not creating content and making sure you're checking in with the players and making sure you're telling them, you know, hey, here's what to expect to an extent. I mean, again, I keep it very vague. I keep it very like, hey, you're going to get some time to talk to some NPCs in the city. So think about what you want. Uh, You're going to get, you know, there's going to be a combat this week. So like, all that kind of stuff I think has been really helpful, or at least I've heard has been really helpful for the players and, and something that I think all DMs should consider doing if they want the extra level of kind of buy-in and preparation, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I want to follow up on something that you said a little bit ago. Are you recording multiple sessions in one day? Yeah, so we we usually we usually meet at seven, which means that we just chat until like seven thirty. Um, <laughs> but we yeah, so we do we release hour long episodes. That was also really important to us as we wanted to keep it listenable, keep it you know not daunting. Um, you know, I know that some podcasts are just like yeah, we we turn on our mics and then we play for two and a half hours and like that's what you get, even though it's edited down. We wanted to make it just weekly hour episodes because like like we said there's a lot of content out there and there's a lot going on. And so we wanted to keep it nice and manageable. And so, yeah, we usually play for like two and a half, three hours, which includes like a, you know, 10 to 15 minute break in the middle. And that's, that's kind of our usual, usual pattern. Yeah. I guess I want to know more about just the whole process Mm -hmm. from you are getting ready for a recording day. You play for the two and a half to three hours, like you just said, and then what happens? Yeah, I mean, really, it is just as kind of as simple as we, I have been extremely blessed in a whole crew of people who are available and and interested in editing, which is, I think, 
the one of the strongest parts of Reckless Attack, A, just the editing generally, but that there are multiple people who are willing to do it, which is, I feel like, a very large ca- cause of burnout uh, in a lot of podcasts and a lot of other other such creative endeavors. But yeah, really, it is just kind of as simple as then whoever is on deck to edit that week and the editors, I am not one of them, even though I, I did audio editing previously, um, the they my my lovely players were like no you focus on like social media and on dming and all that other stuff but they just have their own schedule and they have identified okay cool it's your turn to do this episode and you know kind of just go accordingly and they between them do a kind of like peer review basically where it's like hey can you just give this a quick listen to make sure i didn't miss anything big and you know, it, it kind of has like that two factor thumbs up process. And then another person, Steve, listens to it and gives us our very puntacular and or referential episode titles uh, <laughs> as another pair of ears. And then we schedule it and go. And then I yell about it on social media. Gosh, that sounds amazing to have a team to split up editing duties. It is. We, we've long said that that is a really nice competitive advantage honestly for us and and you're you know you're a, a solo operation and many others are for especially for interview folks so it's not as much of an option but if you're listening to this and are on a podcast or considering starting a podcast and you're not editing and your potential control freak of an editor will allow you to edit you should really consider it even just once in a while because editing is hard and it takes a lot of time and a lot of brain power and it's not for everyone, but it's for a lot more people than you would kind of think. So help your editor out. Maybe throw an edit their way sometimes. That's really great. And yeah, it's, I think, been a huge, huge difference maker for us, especially because we're releasing weekly. Absolutely. Like, that's kind of the main reason why I got behind is that I could not keep up with my own editing for a bit there. But right. I fine. mean, and exactly. And if, if there were, especially with weekly, if mm-hmm. if it was just one person or if it was me or so, I know, I know for a fact, if it was just me, we would have, we would have missed episodes <laughs> like period hundred <laughs> yeah. percent because life gets in the way or you just, it takes longer than you hope or just your brain is not cooperating that week. And we are, we are lucky enough to have a group of people who are all enthusiastic and highly capable editors to to pull it together and support each other and figure out their schedule and just do do whatever makes it work in a in a sustainable hopefully way. Definitely. Okay, I do want to switch gears a little bit. You've yeah. mentioned social media a few times. Indeed. And I know that you are honestly like this guru at building a presence. I know you're working on a fun little document that might be available at some I point. Am. So yes, please let's let's talk about marketing. Let's talk about social media. And I mean, I guess we can start by what is this document and what's what's coming up. Yeah. So to set the scene a little bit, I uh, after after graduation from college, I worked as a journalist for many years and then worked in PR and and marketing, mostly just generally PR. So kind of throughout that, I got a lot of expertise on boiling down complex topics into things that that got attention and were easily digestible and connected with people. Um, and I don't mean in a, in a clickbait way. I just mean in a let's let's find the way to make this the most exciting and enticing version of itself that it can be. And 
that is something that I think has helped us a lot, certainly, and and kind of continues to help us a lot, even as you know, even as we deal with our own busyness and our own kind of changing priorities and changing availabilities and just being tired sometimes. Um, is that 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 we have all all of that to kind of lean back to? But I've noticed, especially on the online space and at least the, you know, a lot of the tabletop role playing game portion of the community that I'm most exposed to, um, because that's where I just lurk all day, every day, that a lot of a lot of people don't have that kind of baseline knowledge that I have, because why would they like (laughs) that's a specific skill set that, you know, plenty of people live perfectly content productive lives without. And and so something that I try to be a resource for and be available to, to talk through and, uh, and whatnot is kind of that ability to boil down your, your, your podcast, your stream, your product, whatever, into something that hopefully will, will turn into a brand identity and turn into something that will catch attention by the people who might be interested in it. Not everyone, because your your goal, as I'm sure you know, Courtney, your goal when marketing or when doing PR is not to get everyone to listen to your show. Your goal is to get people who might be interested in your product aware of it and then convert them to be like, hey, do you like frogs? Great news. Here's a podcast that has frogs and like, cool, great. So yeah, so something that I've been I've been working on for quite a while um, and I tweet about frequently, and there's a lot of other really, really great people in the community who who also talk a lot about this, and especially from a marketing side or a, a number side or a digital marketing side. I only really know the PR and writing side, but I've been working on kind of some some tips to help people find their identity and agree on it, and kind of at least put their their best foot forward in the in the online space. Again, it this does not guarantee success. Uh, at all, but it is at least kind of gives you a couple tools to kind of start working with. Are you willing to share any of those tips right now? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's the whole the whole point of it is that it is definitely not secret. <laughs> I'm, I love talking <laughs> about it. It's really important and is not. I think the the best and and most frustrating parts to me is that none of them are. It's not secret knowledge, right? It is just knowledge that people haven't been exposed to. Um, and so it's all all about making sure that people are aware of it. So I'm always thrilled to to talk about it because there's so many good so many good products out there, and so many so many great people working so hard whose stuff it just isn't getting traction because they don't know how to how to catch people's attention appropriately. So first and foremost, it needs to be sustainable. Whatever you're doing, you know, like you can't burn out. You know, if 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 what you're doing just causes you to burn out, then then it doesn't matter. Like if you if you're so burnt out you can't keep creating the thing that you're you're marketing, then like that that it undoes all of the stuff that you have done. Um, but you know, kind of first, I think what's really important is that not a that, that a lot of people do not start with positivity about their sel- about themselves and their products. Um, I don't know if you you've seen it, but I know I have a lot of people who. You know, for example, Reckless Attack, I could I could easily say, and I think I even joked about it earlier, I could easily say, hey, we're just a, another 5e podcast and we're just a bunch of people and friends sitting at a table having fun. And that's fine. Um, but but it kind of starts you off at a lower peg because you have kind of undersold yourself. And instead, 
you can say or that we say is that, hey, we are a group of people who want our audience to feel like they're playing games with friends, right? And that's that's so much nicer and so much more positive and so much more energetic than, you know, undercutting yourself or, you know, you're not creating a just another subclass for the barbarian. Um, instead, you've made like the path of the righteous fury and like, here's a bunch of cool reasons why it's cool and different. And, you know, the, the takeaway being like, you are, you are unique, you have a unique perspective and your version of whatever it is that you are doing is worth doing because you created it and it's worth being excited about it for that reason. And, you know, excitement and confidence are so contagious and it has to start from you. So no, no matter what, Personally, internally, and externally, you you have to start at a place of being positive and finding ways to turn all the the quirks of your product, all the interesting bits, all the exciting bits into selling points and into into strengths, basically. Also, kind of throughout that, you obviously have to be authentic and truthful when doing it. Uh, you can't say, hey, we're a frog podcast uh, or a frog forward podcast and then be like, well, there's two frogs. What the heck? you know, people will immediately uh, get that and will be disappointed and will, you know, kind of forever associate you with like, oh, they did lie to me that one time. So don't do that. Um, (laughs) And then kind of from there, once you, once you are kind of in your set of your, your mindset of positivity and mindset of kind of realistic, here's who we are and here's what we offer. Then you can kind of boil all that down into figuring out what makes your product stand out. You know, there it's it's a busy online, you know, it's a busy space on the internet. I don't know if those of you who are on the internet uh, have experienced it, but there's a lot of people there and a lot of people who are loud and a lot of people who say a lot of things. Uh, and so you now have to enter into that if this is how you're marketing. And essentially, you have to take what gets you excited enough about your project that you work on it day after day and do the editing and do the brainstorming and do all the frustrating bits uh, that has made it worth it and makes you want to put it out in the world. And then you just kind of condense that into a few sentences or bullet points or whatever. And that's kind of a great place to start. Um, And it's a way essentially for you to make a promise to yourselves and to your audience that here's what we're about. Here is, if you're interested in these things, you'll like us. And if you like this part of this one show, you will like us. Um, Or that kind of thing is, you know, can be a great way to have some shared talking points and shared attitudes and shared priorities and shared promises for you to kind of further boil it down throw some throw some fun bullet points throw some gifts throw some arts throw some whatever and stick to those kind of like promises and to those themes and and you know rotate through them and change things up and try new things with while still kind of sticking to that those core messages and you'll already be in a much nicer place basically there's so much so much that i could dig into in this <laughs> i By wish means. that uh, could do like 3 hours again you're listening to part 1 of the, you know, of the honestly, interview. Yes, probably. <laughs> so one thing that I know a lot of people would listen to the, this, everything that you just said and say, yeah, I think that that sounds great. I just, I don't mm-hmm. have time. I'm working a full-time job and then I'm making totally. all of this content on the side and 
know, how can I possibly devote enough time to make my presence actually known? What would you recommend? Yeah, so it's a little tough and it, tough, tough both as a as a problem and tough as an answer, <laughs> unfortunately. Where if if your goal, especially on on Twitter, which is where I spend most of my time, and I feel like a lot of at least the, the tabletop role playing game community that I'm aware of, where where that is located, uh, it is not just a platform; it is an algorithm and is a a tool to be manipulated and and twitter rewards people to a certain extent who interact a lot and who are on there a lot and that is an, just kind of an unfortunate reality and there's no there's no quick trick or to get around that um it is just the case and so it becomes a delicate balance and this work comes back to sustainability and also comes down to what are your goals and what are you willing to do to get there but you either you kind of either have to especially early on when you're build, building your following and building momentum you have to be posting a good amount and you have to be posting on other people's stuff a good amount and that changes drastically for different people and it changes day to day and week to week and some weeks i i as a power user of twitter do not you know cannot cannot find it within me to, you know, to, to post as much as I would like or react to other people as much as I would like um, to both reward the algorithm and to build community and friends and fans who will help you spread the word. Right. Um, but there's just kind of an unfortunate reality where there is work beyond the work of, of creation where creation is central and it has to be central right of making your thing and making it the best it can be and making it you know you and making it something you're excited about and something that you love but then there's there is more work and the more work is then finding that audience and connecting with people and and being part of a community and being authentic and making friends and not just treating them as as consumers right and, and being real. And unfortunately, if you can't put in that extra work, then there is limits to, you know, within reason, maybe you can get lucky and go viral or something, right? But but for most of us who, who are not going viral or who are not fueled by star power or whatever, are just indie folks, that that, that is a part of, of the process. Or you can, you can, and that's totally legitimate and celebrate, you know, celebratory, if you just engage with it as much as you can, you know, and, and again, that can change day to day that can change. If you have a new product that you want to get out there, you can be engaging more, whatever, but there aren't shortcuts, unfortunately. And, and again, I, I am not even a huge, huge account. I am a, a, we are a medium account. I would say, or like a, a small medium account, maybe, um, at least as of recording this. And that, that is just kind of the best information and knowledge that I have from from people who are more experienced and have have followings and also are kind of actually privy to how social media marketing works and those sorts of things. So it really, you know, a lot of it is just, it's a lot of the work that you put into it. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes even that is not enough. And a lot of it is, is finding a great scene to be a part of finding, you know, like-minded individuals who like your stuff or like you and are willing to, to, be partners with you essentially in kind of your rise together and, you know, so many other things, but 
yeah, I, I unfortunately there's no no silver bullet, especially for you know <laughs> those of us who are kind of at the at the indie level and the hobby level and the hey, this is a cool thing that feels important to me. That it's just it's just more work, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What are your kind of thoughts or opinions these days on the the hashtag trends of mm. TTRPG solidarity and TTRPG rising and things like that? I, I think, I mean, I guess what I'll say is, well, first of all, I don't, I don't, I, I will hedge all of this by saying I don't understand the algorithm quite well enough to be like, <laughs> you know, ah, yes, well, here's the actual, the metrics behind using hashtags or whatever, other than don't use too many hashtags in your posts, use like one or two max. And even then, eh, whatever. Hashtag days, uh, again, for anyone who is not familiar, you know, there's a lot of like follower Friday and work in progress Wednesday, and basically just uh, larger creators giving smaller creators or, or or peer creators opportunities to share their work on their platforms. And it is hard work for certain. It is, <laughs> it is really, you know, especially if you're doing it a lot, and like I would I would post to God, I don't even know how many, especially in our early days, dozens um, every every week. And I would that includes finding all of them and then customizing some of the language to the individual person who is there. And that included interacting with other people and, you know, so many other things. Um, and without getting into any like um, algorithm, you know, whatever, because it really doesn't matter. It is a, again, it's another example of it's a lot of work. But if you do it in a productive way and if you do it as a way to network and as a way to find other like-minded people and find other projects that you're excited about and get other people excited in your products and to to use all those fun, fun talking points and bullet points and things you're excited about to get more people excited about it, then it, it works. That That I think was a huge part of what got us a platform was the amount of work that we put in on those days. And, and of course, many other days and the quality of, of our work on those days and that kind of thing. But again, it's, there's, there's, there's path forward, path forward for everyone and not everything works for everyone and not everything works the same week. You know, again, it's a week to week. I have, I have backed off on a lot of those to, to make sure I'm managing my own energy levels and, and burnout levels. But it's a, again, it, they are a great way to introduce yourself and your product in a snappy, memorable way and meet other people. So, you know, they, they, they are useful, especially as you're starting out and, and trying to make connections with other people. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like the first couple of months that we joined those as Lightheart were great. Like we doubled our follower count. Yeah. I mean, our count was very small at that point. Uh, but then once we hit 600, it was like, didn't seem to matter how much we did it. It was interesting. Yeah, it's and and yeah, I'm I'm I have started to hit a little bit of a of a cap myself, and you know I, I don't want to gloss over. I don't want to I don't give too much kind of general advice or specific numbers because it does mm-hmm. matter. You know, it it changes a lot for for person to person how much you're putting into it, but also it changes a lot of like are you are you changing up your your copy? Are you changing what your promos are? Are you being the most effective with your promos and like you know and connecting with people genuinely and you know, are you also posting throughout the rest of the week and interacting with people outside of those hashtag days to continue fostering those relationships? Like there's so many variables into into what makes it good or bad or successful or not that it's it's hard to to give kind of 
too much specific advice uh, beyond kind of what, what we already talked about. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting when you have the mental capacity to yeah. devote to it. And otherwise, yes. it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work, but it is everything a lot. takes work. Exactly. And that that's, again, that's kind of the, honestly... That's kind of the the beauty and the terribleness of it, where <laughs> where you can both take comfort and frustration in knowing that it's just it's just more work. <laughs> and and if you're willing to work at it and be open to feedback and be open to growth and be open to figuring out what works for you and not not just in the pacing of things, but in the the copywriting of things and in the promotion of things and the finding out of what people are interested in and finding out new audiences to connect to new people to connect to then then it's just a matter of being a being an authentic person and putting yourself out there and trying to make connections and putting in just kind of the hours to do it but also if you don't have the hours to do it or if you're just not feeling it or whatever then it definitely becomes daunting and it's something that that I face a lot something that I've certainly faced the last like couple months even and so again it changes but it, it also means that if you miss a week if you miss a month or if you don't do one of the hashtags it's it's fine like those people are still there they're still out there you haven't lost them forever. It is just, you didn't get them this week. They didn't see your stuff this week. And it's about getting in front of people eventually and, you know, continuing to get in front of people. And I think, I think the number is something like this. And, and this is something that I've heard in the community, uh, certainly not of my own expertise, but essentially it is people need to see your stuff eight times before they will interact with it. Like to see it eight times. And, and that, that is an interaction is obviously not even that big of a promise, right? It is I will click on this ad or this, this clip, or I will follow you or whatever. Um, so it really is just a volume game psychologically and algorithmically. And unfortunately that's just kind of, kind of how it works, you know? Yeah. That's advice or kind of some stats that I learned when I worked for a direct sales company yeah. like in their home office. And yeah. it's just, that is how it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So I know that we technically had time, but I still have to ask my signature questions. By all That's means. what editing is for. Exactly. I'm, yeah. I'm here for it. Perfect. Okay. So I would just love to know that. I mean, I know you guys started thinking about this a long time ago, but you've really only been publishing your episodes since October, August, yep. October. 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 Yeah. October 5th was the big day. It feels like I have been listening to it for so long now, and that's not long. It, wow. it also feels like we've been doing it for so long. It's really, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about this earlier this week, kind of in, in preparation for this conversation too, but yeah, of like how, how it was really just a switch got flipped. You know, there was definitely a couple weeks of like, you know, okay, it's getting real. We have it recorded. We have it edited. We've been doing all the work. And then just like, because especially because we're weekly, just that's that's what we did. And it was great. And again, it's because, the whole freaking group are rock stars and powerful individuals and and just the coolest people in the whole world. But yeah, it's just been like, cool, this is our lives now. And it's doing this podcast <laughs> in a great way. And it's so fun. We're still having so much fun together. But yeah, it's it also feels like it's been longer um, because we've been active and putting out stuff all the time. Yeah. Well, over the last couple of years of planning and then the last few months of right. <laughs> producing and publishing and everything. Yeah, it was like 2019 when we yeah. first started having those conversations. I mean, we're already in 2022, so that's actually been a really long time, even if it doesn't feel like it. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Where like where where and again, this is all very slow brewing and whatever, but I think we we were going to launch we had I don't remember if we had a specific date, but we had kind of a soft idea that we were gonna launch in twenty twenty. And mm. then COVID happened. Yeah. And so that was not the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, through all of that, what would you say has been the most challenging part? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, certainly, you know, apropos of our last conversation has definitely been getting ourselves out there. And, and you know, definitely we went in wanting to make sure that our podcast was the best it can be and and something that we were proud of and something that we thought that if people heard that that some people would enjoy it, you know, and that that was our that was our goal is just to create something that we like and that we're proud of. And we've met been met with a really wonderful response and and whatever, but it was a lot of work. So that at least for me personally, that was a really big challenge. Um, and also, of course, getting over like, oh, God, our stuff is is publicly consumable and therefore publicly critiquable. Um, but that's that hasn't been actually surprisingly hasn't been too bad. Um, but then something that that has been a challenge i think has been the name of the game being sustainability you know we it's easy those that first few months to be just absolutely powering through cuz you're so excited you're you know you're connecting with people it's also stimulating you're you have product out there you're doing new stuff you're recording new sessions everything is fresh and new and then like we we are coming up on you know 6 to 7 months of releasing it and it's you know the enthusiasm is for us is still there but it's easy to to burn out of that you know honeymoon phase basically and so every step that we've we've taken at least we've we've tried to make sure that we very very seriously consider okay can we do this you know like do we have the <laughs> the emotional time or the emotions the time the the energy the whatever to put into this because we do not want to make this an unenjoyable job we want it to still be fun we're working very hard of course but it has to be still fun and still a good time for all of us. And so that that has been, I would say, not necessarily a difficulty, but something that we really have to continue kind of fighting for, um, even, even as we're all on the same page with it. Do you have plans to do seasons with some breaks in between? Or are you just going to be all one season going until you're not? Yeah, so we don't, we don't really actually... It's interesting because honestly, again, we we just love playing D D so freaking much. Like <laughs> we we have had a couple of times where we haven't we haven't played for like a month, right? Um, and all we've been doing is just kind of, you know, still social mediaing and still editing and all that kind of stuff. And and we hate it. Like we are all <laughs> <laughs> we're all miserable when we're not playing D D together. So it, it really is actually just like, well, yeah, we just want to like keep playing D D. And, and we have some plans certainly for like, oh God, if we're feeling burnt out or, you know, something happens or whatever, there's a life reason, fill in the blank that we can, we are okay with taking a break, you know, and just be like, we don't have an episode this week. We have, we have worked for six months to prove, Hey, look, we can release episodes every week and, and our audience, we have to trust that our audience will believe us that we will be back. (laughs) Right. And, um, but but yeah, honestly, we just we love playing so freaking much that like there might be delays, there might be whatever. But yeah, we're right now not to not to jinx it um, or or overly speak for the group. But right now we're just we're just having a great time and we're coasting along, and we'll have bonus content, maybe some side campaigns sometime, something like that. But but yeah, it's we're having fun playing. So 
Cool. I love it. To flip things around then, what has been the most rewarding part of everything thus far? Once again, I'll say two things, and they're kind of similar, actually. Um, but but really, first of all, has been going on the journey with friends. I I have a lot of certainly artistic vanity, and I like feeling like, ah, I, I am accomplishing something, right? And ah, someone has said something nice about something that I did. And that being a nice intoxicating feeling, but being able to to truly, truly partner with the four other incredible people on the podcast and feel good about it and feel we're all pointed in the same direction and feel like it's a safe space for us to talk about things and to offer suggestions and to say, hey, I don't love this. And can we, you know, can we work through it? And having that be such a good, even even when it is hard having it be such a productive friend-based activity has been just like amazing and so unique and so what you hope it's going to be like. And it has been that. And, and that has been, you know, I've become so much closer. I was already friends with them, but I've become so much closer with all of them. And I really cherish them as individuals and, and as partners and as creatives and all of that. So it's it, that that has been extremely rewarding. And then, you know, having people listen to it. Like we we've gotten messages of people who have said, "Hey, your episode this week made my week better." And and you know, I was having a terrible time and you made me laugh and that that turned my week around. And that is the coolest freaking experience. And of people who actually enjoy it and and have real fans. Someone someone DM'd us a fan fiction of our podcast. Like what? What we've gotten fan art. It, uh, our, what we're doing is affecting people and are, are making them happy. And and you know we're not trying to be too high of art, though we take it seriously. But to know that that it's making a difference and and that it's connecting with people is really powerful. And and we're so privileged and lucky to have have that be the case and have people who are willing to actively kind of reach out and be like, Hey, just so you know, this was great. Um, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I love that so much. I mean, y'all are making a really great show and thank you. I say that as someone who's really picky and kind of doesn't like most actual play. I know. Well, and that's, that was, that was always our thing. And and why I was so early surprised that I liked what I was hearing is because I, I've listened to, to a lot and I've tried a lot and I know how easy it is to throw a you know a, a phone in the middle of the table, or to just do whatever, or also to have something that is perfectly fine, but something just turn off an audience. And and our goal had definitely always been like, we know what we don't like, so let's be what we like, and let's have high standards. And so that that means a lot to hear. Y'all are definitely one of my favorite shows. So thank, thank you. you for making it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for li- thank you for being a loyal listener, Kit. <laughs> Are there any upcoming projects that you're excited about or goals you're working towards? Yeah, so we 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 have a few things that we want. We're hoping 2022 is going to be a place where we really start to kind of solidify a real good path forward. Um, especially because again, when we launched, we had no idea anyone was going to listen. We're like, cool, maybe we'll convince a couple of of real life friends to listen to the first three episodes and then go from there. But what we're really most excited about right now, and that we can really talk about a lot of is we we also do interviews on our on our show and it's every two weeks again i was a i was in pr and journalism for a long time so i've done a lot of interviews and i wanted to use those skills um to 
give a platform much like you to the creators in the community and as a way to connect with them and a way to let them show their their personalities and their perspectives and their experiences to our audience and to show off their cool products and all that good stuff and just have a nice, awesome conversation. Uh, we release that every or two, two, two times a week uh, on Thursdays. It's called Reckless A Talk. And uh, I, I have loved it. I've gotten to interview, I think, all of the cast members now. We've gotten to interview a couple of community members. And all of them have been so wonderful and so enriching and so freaking funny and poignant and all that stuff. And so if you if you like this show... And want even more, uh, even more interviews. Uh, that then uh, we have plenty of that there. Um, and so that's that's something we're really really excited about. And then of course we're always churning out, you know, uh, little guides and homebrew things and nonsense memes on Twitter and you know and and regular Patreon content of behind the scenes conversations and that kind of stuff. But those are the, those are the main things. And you know, weekly episodes on top of all that. Yeah, you know, just just a couple of things. Yeah. that's fine. Well, Nathan, if people want to find you and Reckless Attack and all the cool things that y'all are doing, where should they go? Absolutely. So first, RecklessAttack.com. That's a nice catch-all. Uh, we also have a link tree uh, that has all of our things like our Patreon and our coffee. Ko-Fi? I don't remember which one it I was. I always say coffee. I, I learned which one it was, and I remembered not liking it, and I don't remember which was the answer. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, We're also very active on Twitter. That's kind of the main social media place for us. That's reckless underscore attack. Uh, We are on wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts, including YouTube, which is where we post a lot of clips of our show uh, that kind of give you a nice feel for what the experience of listening to our show is like. Uh, So if you're interested and are just like, hey, I don't want to commit to like pushing play on a whole, uh, you know, a whole series. That's a great place to start. We also have a Tale Till Now episode, which recaps our first arc as another way to just kind of like yada, yada, yada through a lot of this stuff and try to catch up a little bit faster. Um, but otherwise, those are kind of the main spaces. Again, we have a Patreon where we do a lot of awesome bonus content and talks amongst our our crew and all kinds of stuff. And uh, yeah, so find us anywhere on those platforms, basically. Perfect. I'll have those all in the show notes. Thanks. Nathan. This has been amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. I'm so happy to like actually talk to you with our voices. Yes, <laughs> our real human, our human meat voices. <laughs> yes, human meat voices. <laughs> thank you so much for joining today. Yes, thank you for having me. You just finished another episode of Roll, Play, Grow. To check out the show notes from today's episode, you can go to lightheartadventures.com slash RPG. To keep up with every episode, please subscribe on your podcast player of choice. And if you're enjoying the show, I would absolutely love if you would leave me a review and share this episode with your friends. Your review might even get featured on an upcoming episode. To follow me on Twitter, you can either find me at lightheartadv for our business account, or at Ketra RPG for tweets on gaming, my dog Bowser, and other random shenanigans. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time on Role Play Grow.